Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Rich Dotson, my fellow nerds, Matt O'Hara. Hey, hey. And Garrett Price. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. We finally know where all these rookies are. Uh, we're going to talk about the NFL draft here, obviously, today. Go through some of these rounds, uh, round by round. Don't need to on some of these top guys. Talk about some interesting picks, what we think, how it changes, how it affects their fantasy value. And then Nerd Herd, we're going to conduct a two-round Superflex tight end premium mock draft as well. So just trying to get this information. Obviously, the podcast is coming out on a Monday. Uh, YouTube's coming out on a Monday, Sunday night is recording because we know a lot of dynasty rookie drafts kick off on Monday, May 3rd. Uh, people want to get real anxious to get in there and start drafting. I know I'm in a couple of leagues. We're already through the first round in some of them, and it's an exciting time. So we know where those guys are. There's some interesting spots. There's some non-interesting spots. Before we get into all the NFL draft talk, I want to tell you about our friends at DynastyDepot.com. DynastyDepot.com is where you need to go today and to expand your dynasty games. If you want to get in more dynasty leagues, dynastydepot.com. And right now, you go to dynastydepot.com, use that promo code NERDS, and get their yearly membership for $14.99. That's a huge savings. And if you're asking what dynastydepot.com is, it's literally like the eBay for dynasty fantasy football teams. They play on FFPC platforms, which is a very secure way to play dynasty fantasy football. Thousands and thousands of leagues with never a faulted, defaulted dynasty league that has folded. So it's a, it's a tight end premium format. And this is a format where you can get on there and buy leagues for you know teams for over $1,000. It's a high stakes league. And right now, Dynasty Depot either gives you the opportunity to go buy one of those $1,000 teams for maybe 100 bucks because it needs rebuilt, or it gives you an opportunity to buy a team that, you know, maybe it's a $1,000 league, but you can buy that team for $2,000 because that team is pretty good and it's ready to win now. And maybe you invest in yourself and maybe make a couple of trades to become a champion and come away with the big bucks. All these are different options you could do at dynastydepot.com. I encourage you to get there today. Use that promo code notes nerds for that discount and see where you can either buy or sell a dynasty team today. Either make some money by selling a team or make some money by rebuilding a team and possibly flipping that down the road as well. Because you can literally I've seen people they draft, they'll buy a team on there, make a couple of trades, put it right back up for sale, make a couple of bucks to sell a couple of trades they made. So check it out. DynastyDebo.com gives you a chance to treat Dynasty like Ebo, eBay, make some money, and, of course, play in more Dynasty Leagues. Check them out. DynastyDepot.com. That's DynastyDepot.com. Use that promo code NERDS. So, guys, let's get into the show here. Now, first, I want to start off by saying, too, you know, when we talk about winners and losers of the draft, we have to also be aware of players that were not in this draft that are winners, right? We have guys like obviously the running backs, Miles Gaskin in Miami, a big winner. Mike Davis in Atlanta today is a big winner. Now there's some guys still out there, guys like Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley could come in and maybe split some carries, but big winners. Guys like Zach Moss in Buffalo, another big winner. People at the receiver position, Brian Edwards, for the Las Vegas Raiders, a winner. Michael Pittman Jr., a winner. Quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, a winner. Sam Darnold, a winner. Drew Locke, still winning because he's still the player out there with a ton of talent around him. So 
you also look at these guys that you might be able to, where the rookie fever is hot. There's some guys you might be able to track out trade for like guys like Michael Pittman jr. And Brian Edwards are still obtainable in your, in your leagues. And you go out there and trade those guys for second round picks. And there's not many second round picks that I would take over either one of those guys. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I'm, I love Brian Edwards. We knew it was going to probably take him a little bit while, uh, a little bit of time to develop, but the Brian Edwards train just got off the rail so fast. You know, all the steam coming out with the one-handed catch, the picture of it. He's like wearing a mask, but he like has the one-handed catch and, you know, the quote about him being Devonte Adams and like the hype got so high that unless he put up, you know, over a thousand yards as a rookie, everyone was going to be disappointed. He had some injuries, different things like that, but I'm, I'm all aboard that train as well. Michael Pittman gets a full off season too. He looked really good at times, especially closer to the playoffs last year for Indianapolis. So those are two great, great targets because after the top six wide receivers, there's a few other interesting names, but it, it does drop off quite a bit. So I would love to capitalize on those two guys. Couldn't have said it better myself, my man. Um, like I, and, and I like the fact that you mentioned the drop-off because I feel like that's, that's a real thing. And, and I was starting to get a sense of that even the closer and closer we got to the draft, yeah. the further and further along we got with our analysis. I was like, this maybe this isn't the draft that we kind of thought it was. And, and I think I think some of this stuff showed in the draft, some of these guys completely falling out of the draft or, or yeah. much later than, than we had anticipated. Well, we had, we had a portion. bunch of second round uh, receivers that were like, what this guy went in the second. Uh, so well, I'm sure we'll touch on that too, as we go. Go ahead on these guys. I mean, there's guys we like, like Austin Watkins that end up going undrafted, uh, which is crazy. Now it ends up in a really good spot in San Francisco but still goes undrafted. Guys like Tamora and Terry go undrafted. The the San Francisco, I was I was frustrated to see that Austin Watkins went undrafted because you know I've been been preaching his name. I, I love the kid, and you see some other guys there. Uh, but the there's two things that gave me some hope Lance Zerline. He's the guy that does all the rankings for NFL network. Whenever you look at their prospect scores, he's the one that puts those together. He had roughly a fourth or fifth round grade on Austin Watkins, which is kind of where we thought he would probably end up going. So we're not alone in this. There are other people that were like, no, this kid's really good, but I love that he landed in San Francisco because of who they are. But on top of that, look at all of the undrafted free agents that they've used over the years. Guys like Matt Breda was undrafted. I believe Mostert was undrafted. Jeff Wilson was undrafted. So there's a lot of guys that they've utilized in their offense that have been uh, UDFAs and they don't have a super deep wide receiver core right now. So I'm still aboard that train. Obviously, it'll be at a little bit of a discounted cost, but I'm still aboard that train. Yeah. You're going to get him now. You can draft him back in the third round. I mean, he's on draft. So you can probably yep. get him in the fourth round, even yep. a guy like Austin Watkins, which is where I, where I probably like, even though I like the player, I'm just more comfortable waiting for him to get to me in the yep. fourth round and take him there. Cause that's where he's going to end up for most people. Unless you listen to this podcast and maybe you, you, you saw what we saw and you're in on him too. And you would just overdraft him in the third because right now I, I think Austin Watkins in the third is a, is an overdraft. Uh, he is an undrafted free agent. So, but I feel mm -hmm. very comfortable taking him in the fourth for sure. Yep. So, but, and there's one, like I said, there's winners everywhere. You know, there's a lot of players and there's some losers and there's some players in this draft. I mean, there's a couple guys that running back to me, one gets a slight bump, but one's going to get a massive bump. And that's, you know, a guy that once we get to the third round talking about Matt had him actually way higher in his rankings than Trey Sermon. So I can't mm -hmm. wait to talk about him. Now, going through this first round, a lot of it's pretty chalk, right? Like, we knew a lot of this was going down. We knew Trey, Trevor Lawrence was going to Jacksonville. We knew Zach Wilson was going to uh, 
New York. Trey Lance, a lot of people were talking about Mac Jones, but I mean, even here on the podcast, I said, like, there's no way they're taking Mac Jones, right? There's no way, there's no way that one guy still somebody on Twitter said, Hey, Rich said I'll give up his stake in Dyson Nerds if, if, if the 49ers take Mac Jones. And they didn't. They take Trey Lance, which is very encouraging, you know, for him being from San Francisco, that be Kyle Shanahan in that system. So I'm sure he gets a, t- a huge bump in Superflex. And by huge bump, I mean I've been in some leagues where he's gone second, and I've been in elite in Superflex drafts leagues already where he's gone fourth because of the land spot. Where do you guys put Trey Lance now that we know he's a San Francisco 49ers in your Superflex rookie mock drafts? So for um for me, I'm I'm actually struggling with that right now as we speak because um it's it's really close. It, the 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 gap the gap really narrowed, and you know I I said there there probably wasn't a way on our last episode that that my tiers could be kind of chopped up a little bit. I I had obviously Trevor Lawrence in a tier by himself, and then I had um uh Zach Wilson and um Justin Fields in my other tier, and and Trey Lance was in was in the the third tier with Mac Jones, but with the landing spot of Trey Lance. And uh, uh, with a, you know, with Justin Fields, I like Justin Fields' spot, but you have to kind of look at it long term. Could could that be a whole shakeup if if things don't go well in the first year with the Bears and, and Justin Fields? Could they be looking at a whole new front office, a whole new coaching staff, and have one of these quick resets on one of these first round draft picks? I don't know. So there's a little bit of trepidation in the back of my mind right there, and that kind of narrowed the gap and put Trey Lance kind of nipping at the heels of Justin Fields in, in, in my rankings. And I'm trying, I'm kind of struggling with it. I'll probably hash it out in the next week or so and kind of figure out exactly where I stand on that, but they're really close in my book. For me, one of the things that I have really looked into quite a bit and, and quarterback is a little bit different than, than running back and wide receiver, but landing spot this year, even more so than any other year, just because of my own realization that I've come to is I'm not going to be changing guys drastically if at all, based on landing spot. Now I will a little bit on draft capital, you know, a guy that we might've thought went in the third, went in the six, you know, that might change things for me. But if it's, you know, a wide receiver that went to Baltimore versus going to San Francisco, that's not going to change much for me. And part of that realization came in when I looked back at the 2018 draft, all of the running backs and wide receivers are, I believe 11 of them that went either in the first or second round at those two positions. And eight of those 11, have very, very different situations than they had just two years ago. So this is dynasty. This isn't redraft. So I'm really fading the landing spot pretty hard this year, uh, even compared to other years. Quarterback is a little bit different because of how dependent uh, some of the scheme fits are for some of these guys. So that will change it for a little bit for me, but I still ended up pretty darn close to where I was. So uh, right now it's still going to be Trevor Lawrence at the top. I had Justin Fields too. I'm going to keep him there. Uh, and then I, I'm, I'm really close on, on Zach Wilson and, and Trey Lance. Wilson's going to get to probably play sooner, but I think Lance is probably playing this year as well at some point. So it's going to be, it's going to be really close. Uh, but all three of those guys in reality, I think are all very, very good draft picks. So I don't have, if you have one at two and one at four and the other one at three, like, I really don't care. I, I think they're all pretty solid guys. Yeah, after Trevor Lawrence, I, I'm okay with the order. I'm not giving anybody any crap over which ones I go. I and I'm with you, Garrett. My order is staying exactly the same. I'm still Zach Wilson's my one-two. I got Justin Fields as my one-three. 
And now I have Trey Lance as my one four. I think the one thing that's really solidified for me here is um, in Superflex, it's locked up, right? One, two, three. Literally, the NFL draft order essentially is almost how I have it. Cause I oh, yeah. obviously I'm putting fields ahead of Trey Lance, but it goes Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and then Kyle Pitts for me. And Superflex tight and premium because even with the running backs there, um, I don't hate anybody's landing spot, but it, it's enough for me to move a generation talent like Kyle Pitts ahead of them in a Superflex tight and premium league. Sure. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tight end premium league right now. And Kyle Pitts went one, two, because the guy was very comfortable with his quarterbacks. He needed a tight end and he's taken Kyle Pitts. And if you looked at my dynasty rankings overall, I have Kyle Pitts as my one, two tight end. He's my number two dynasty tight end Woo. before ever taking the snap because I'm that much of a believer in him. I have Hawkinson at three. It's just, he's more, you know, I'll take him over Mark Andrews. I mean, I know Darren Waller, who is his comp, but Darren Waller's 28. Why not get a 20 year old, 21 year old in there ahead of time? And like guys like him, if you whiff, I think worst case guy like Pitts is going to be tight end seven. That's him sucking. You know, pretty much is like, he's just like, not that great. It's tight end seven. I can live with that, you know? So yeah. uh, for the quarterbacks, that's where I stand too. We know pitch was going pretty much good chance going four to the, the Falcons. Jamar chase goes there through the Bengals uh, at number five. Do you, we talked, we talked about this already about Jamar chase going to the Bengals. So we're going to talk about a lot of these high end guys here. When we got on our, on our next show, when we do our mock draft. And then after these episodes, we are going to go through and we're going to rank these players overall in depth with our analysis, how we see a little bit more scheme fat. This is more of an instant reaction to the draft, which literally just ended here. Um, as we move on through the draft, Devonte Smith goes to the Eagles. I love that. Cause he's instantly the best receiver on that team. He's better than Jalen Rager. He's the number one there. They still have Zach Ertz. They still have Dallas Goddard. And now you add Jalen Rager into that mix as well. They had a running back there in Kenneth Gainwell later in the draft to go with Miles Sanders, who could be a nice pass catcher mix back. So we mentioned Jalen Hurts as a winner in this draft. They added some weapons for, for him here to succeed. And I think Devontae Smith, who he has a good rapport with, or should have some more rapport with there from back to their days together in Alabama. I think this is a great fit for them in the Eagles. You guys have anything on uh, Devontae Smith with the Eagles? You like it? You love it? You hate it? I mean, I, I mean, I like the situation because I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be there in a year or two. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I if I thought he was going to be the long term answer, I would I wouldn't love that fit to be honest. Um, I just don't think he's that talented of a passer. But I, I think they're going to be going in another direction. So I'm not going to knock um, Devontae Smith down my board because of that. You mentioned it before um, that this is dynasty. We're going to you know two or three years down the road, I think he's going to be a dominant player um, in this league. Gary, before you go, Matt, I know you and I had Devontae Smith as our wide receiver one going to the draft. Has this flipped for you? Have you put Jamar Chase as your wide receiver one? Because we had him neck and neck. We had him really close at we receiver. Did. Mm -hmm. did, did, was this enough for to flip you? Because it wasn't me. I still kept Devontae Smith as my wide receiver one overall. And I, and I did the same. I kept him. It, it did. It, the thought crossed my mind. I'm not going um, yeah. to lie to flip him. And the more and more I thought of it, uh, the Bengals, they got a lot of other weapons, you know what I mean? Uh, so it's going to take, I think, Jamar Chase a little bit longer to kind of establish himself or it potentially could anyway. Uh, but then the, but then the, the other thought goes through your mind. Is he really, is it really, because he's probably the most talented guy there at this point. Yeah, so, 100%. So, so that's kind of what I was jostling with in my, in my head um, going back and forth in that. And, 
you know, push come to shove that I think that this is another guy where the gap narrowed between one and two, but it, it wasn't enough to push him over the top. Yeah. I, I know somebody said, Hey, I have Joe Burrow and I know you have Devonte Smith at, uh, as your wide receiver one, should I take chase? If I have Burrow, I'm like, yeah, hundred percent. I yeah. want to pair those up hundred percent. They're not, mm. they're not far off. I mean, to be honest with you, even Jalen Waddle is not terribly far off for me from these guys, just because again, he lands in a really good spot there with Miami. And I like what Miami's going to be doing going forward with all their draft picks as well. Garrett, you you have Jamar Chase's wide receiver one. Nope. Still Devonta. I kept it. I kept it okay. the same. Uh, my wide receiver rankings, uh, especially the top seven, didn't really change at all. They're basically in the exact same order. Uh, I, I think if anything, it did potentially solidify that top two of Devonta Smith and, and Jamar Chase. I, I'm a big fan of, of what's happening with, with Devonta Smith. I know that Philly isn't like the super sexy landing spot. And some people are like, well, what's he going to do? All the focus is going to be on him. There's no other receivers there right now. They're all trash. Was, what, what happened at Alabama last year? He was the only show in town and, and he dominated all those sec corners and sec defenses. Like that doesn't worry me at all. I, I think he is a fantastic young player and I'm really excited to see what he does. So yeah, it's still, it's still uh Devonta and Jamar chase. It is close. And then the next four that I had, I, I basically kept in the same order, but uh, I did make like one slight adjustment, but those next four guys I could put almost in any order and I would feel great about it. So, yeah, so I, I flip-flopped. We'll get to him here in a minute. But I flip-flopped Elijah Moore and Rashad Bateman just okay. because because of landing spots. You know what I mean? Which the, one did you have higher before? You had Bateman higher I had Bateman. Before. I had Bateman. Then you switched. And they were close. Okay. And I like Bateman a ton. I love his ton. I just hate his landing spot. And it's not because I don't think Lamar Jackson's like a boo-boo thrower. This is just a team that doesn't throw the football. And Mark Andrews is the first look every time if they do. And I think – J.K. Dobbins would be a little bit more established on the backfield as well. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in the rookie show uh, when we do the mock draft. After so, uh, you know, I mentioned, yeah, go before we go, I, I just wanted to throw in the fact that you know um, Jalen Waddle and Elijah Moore actually flipped for me. So I had I had Elijah Moore ahead of Waddle by by a very slight margin, but you know obviously with with the landing spot there in Miami and and, and Waddle, you know I he's going to be the most talented guy there for probably years to come. Uh, I kind of bumped him up just the hair. So, yeah, I think, I, I think too, the thing about, you know, Garrett mentioned draft capital. This wasn't, um, you know, you got to remember the dolphins, Justin pick at six, they traded a first to get back up to six. Cause there was a player they wanted there. And obviously they were looking at receiver They were, mm -hmm. you know, they're thinking, Hey, we want Jalen Waddle or we want Jamar chase in case Cincinnati takes Panay Sewell. So, I don't think that Jalen Waddle pick should just be like, oh, he was not only was he top six guys, but they traded a first next year to make sure they get Jalen Waddle too. So they are in those. Obviously, they have a lot of draft picks. That's fine, but they, still, they give another first round pick to trade Jalen Waddle. That that means a lot, and that's why Waddle is locked in as my number three. He's going to be the number one weapon on that Miami team, and we talk about this Miami team a lot, right? About where they're going to go with how much draft capital they go with with two around them, and honestly, offensively. They didn't do a lot. You know, they had another tight end uh, there later, but it still got uh, Mike Kosicki. They didn't do anything in the running back position, which has kind of shocked the world, right? Very, you know, they, mm -hmm. they're very comfortable with Miles Gaskin. Uh, but they have some running backs coming out next year. But 
you can argue Jalen Waddle right now is going to be the number one weapon on the team. They're going to scheme around him. So I want to overemphasize, like you'll see that Jalen Waddle went number six. And the fact that they're at number six for a while now, people are going to forget that they gave up a first round pick to give back up number six. That's how much they're invested in there. And they knew they had to make that move to get Jalen Waddle. And, and even though Jalen Waddle was obviously a deep threat, he, he, was very, very successful at those closer to the line of scrimmage plays, the low dot stuff. And Tua doesn't have the strongest arm. He's, his arm is fine, but he's not like one of these gunslingers out here that's just going to be chucking at 50 yards every – he's not Pat Mahomes. He's not those guys. Uh, I think he's more comfortable with the short, accurate passes. So – I think that's where he's going to really feast because I think they are going to use Will Fuller as the take the top off the defense kind of guy. And I think, uh, you know, uh, Devontae Parker is still going to be the, you know, old reliable first down possession type of guy more so, but he can make plays over the top too. So I really think Jalen Waddle is going to be utilized a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. And, and as I thought through it, I, I, when I was doing my ranks, he actually did get a slight bump up to three as well for me. So, so he's my third wide receiver off the board uh, in, in rookie drafts for me as well. Yeah. I still stand pat with uh, Jalen Waddle, how I said it when we're doing his rookie breakdowns, like no, no player in this game right here offers more fantasy football upside than Jalen Waddle. In the draft capital, he has invested in them and the situation. I still stand pat there. Like, I'm still taking, you know, Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase ahead of them. But Jalen Waddle's fantasy upside is through the roof. Like you mentioned, they have Will Fuller there to take top off. So I love that they, they, they scheme him targets. Because if you scheme him targets, he's so explosive. He's going to be eating up those yards, which is going to go right into your fantasy football point column. And this is going to keep adding in. He's going to... He's going to be this he can easily turn into the six catch 150 yard, one touchdown receiver on average and see himself as a wide receiver one for years to come. A very intriguing player that you're going to get either in the middle of your draft in a one QB to the back end in a two QB tight end premium league. And the guy offers more upside than anybody potentially in this draft. We see Justin Fields go right after Devontae Smith in the first round. Mac Jones goes to the Patriots, which he'll get a slight bump down now uh, in Superflex leagues because one, he goes to the Patriots, that's fine, but he doesn't get the draft capital we all thought he would get. And also right now the weapons around him are absolute doo-doo butter turd Ferguson's. Not a lot going on there. You know, you could argue one of their best weapons might be the running back they drafted, Ramondre Stevenson. You know what I mean? The big powerful back. There's well, not a lot of things they're, going they're out tight, there. Right they're now. tight ends that they that they picked up in Fair. free agency would probably be the, the biggest weapons. I forgot the, the turd stunk so uh, bad. I, I had to look and look away so quick. I forgot the new additions. I thought it was two shiny corn uh, kernels, but they're not. It's John New Smith and Hunter Henry. So yeah. a good safety net for Mac Jones, which he'll probably be starting come midseason or so um, if he so. doesn't even beat out Cam Newton out of camp. Yeah. Uh, going down the list here. Now, obviously we get to the biggest shock here of the first round was Kadarius Coney going to the New York giants out of Florida. Now, Tony, so we talked about during our rookie breakdowns um, that we all came away a little bit more pressed after doing his film study, because remember this guy played quarterback in high school. So he's got a lot of room to grow. And this guy is a burner hands better than we thought he thought it would be. They have Darius Slayton there. They have uh, Sterling Shepard there. But taking him here in the first round, what are you guys thinking of Kadarius Tony on the New York Giants? I mean, this does offer some upside, but I what's weird about him, even though he goes in the first, I didn't bump him up in my rankings very much. He's still sitting right where I had him, which he was in that top of the tier of my next wide receivers anyways, and that's where he still sits today. 
I don't, I think I might've bumped him up above Terrace Marshall, but okay. it, it, it was just like a one spot bump. You know what I mean? So I didn't, I already kind of had him pretty high to begin with. I think I had him like right near the end of the first round or to the top of the second round, right in that range. Um, and, and there was some buzz that Kadarius Tony could go in the first round. So I don't, I, to me, it wasn't like this huge shocker. I think he's got a lot of ball, you know, right after the, the catch ability, uh, you know, what we saw on film was he needs to learn how to run routes a lot better. There's a, there's a lot of refining that needs to go on there. And if he does that, he could be scary because he separates now with ease and he's not a great route runner. So if he did, you know, piece that together and, and, and hone his routes a bit, he could be a very scary um, proposition there, you know, coming out of the slot or, or, you know, running on reverses, all sorts of, of plays. And, and the giants don't have anyone like that on their team. So that's the one thing, you know, that he's got going for him. And, and Daniel Jones, has he been the most accurate quarterback? No. So hopefully getting somebody like this that you can hand the ball off to and manufacture, you know, quick throws close to the line of scrimmage, hopefully he'll be able to get him involved in the offense pretty quickly. No, I, I liked I like Tony going here. I know that there were some other players on the board that would have maybe been better fits or we, we thought were more talented than Tony. But it was really sounding like Tony was going to be a first-round player no matter what, uh, I thought it was going to probably be closer to like 28, 29, 30, you know, somewhere in there, but green Bay, like something like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I, I actually don't mind this. And it's, it's another situation where we saw some of the other players on that team kind of benefit from this. I do think that's a nice little bump for Daniel Jones. It gives him another option in the passing game. Obviously Saquon Barkley's back as well, which will help Daniel Jones too. But even a guy like Slayton, who obviously I've been one of the biggest fans of Darius Slayton, I thought Devonta Smith was going to go there. I thought somebody like Rashad Bateman would go there. That would be a more traditional X receiver. Tony's going to mostly play out of the slot, I believe. So Slayton's still going to be on the outside, but now we have some guys closer to the line of scrimmage to actually be a threat. So he might get some more single coverage uh, and have an opportunity to beat guys deep. Now, will Jones hit, hit him? That was always the issue. We'll find out and see. Uh, but hopefully with that line getting a year older, there'll be, there'll be a little bit more time there as well. But I do like Tony. He stays basically in the exact same spot that I had him before. Yeah, and I didn't mean shock like, oh, he was a first-rounder shock. The fact that he went ahead of Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore was the shock yeah. for me. Um, you know, Obviously, if you're looking for Tony, I'd go Elijah Moore. Or if you want somebody, like you said, a really refined route runner who's going to win, Rashad Bateman. But they obviously want somebody just ex extremely explosive, and that's why they could do his Tony route. Which is he the biggest boom-bust guy in this kind of range? Because I, I could see him being you know, a thousand-yard receiver and six touchdowns. I could see him like totally fading into the black and it being just like a wasted pick. Yeah, he could easily be like that 65 receptions, 850 yard guy that's, you know, looking in. It depends on the touchdowns of wide receiver three, potentially. He is a little bit boom and bust. So, like Matt said, he, he's got to refine his route running. But we got to remember when we talked about Tony, is like he's a very raw prospect when it comes to the receiver position. He's only been playing for a couple of years, uh, the former quarterback. So, Again, I don't, I, I, again, he's going to a situation where he's got the draft capital now onto a team that wants to get this offense rolling. And they needed somebody like Tony, they feel like to come in and take their offense to another step. And getting Saquon back is going to help tremendous as well. Daniel Jones has got a big upside. I would try to make moves for Daniel Jones if I was Superflex Leagues. But again, I am also uh, a president of the fan club. So that's just uh, me. Interesting pick. Again, I, I'm surprised this is who he went over because then we saw two running backs go off the board. Najee Harris to Pittsburgh, not a shock, but Travis Etienne going to the Jaguars. 
that was a big shock as well because Hated they have James they have James Robinson there who is a fantastic was a fa- fantastic undrafted free agent running back that looked so good last year. We thought the Jaguars would not have to draft a running back; they could fill positions elsewhere. But they won a pair. Trevor Lawrence up with his running back and Travis Etienne. And it was weird because even like, you know, uh, Herbs are coming out saying, yeah, you know, we have Carlos Hyde and James Robinson is one, two. And then we have uh, Etienne, Etienne as our third down back. But it's like, sorry, Herb, you don't draft a running back in the first round to be a third down back. You draft him to be your guy. So I see a lot of people say they hate this pick, but I don't hate the pick. I mean, he's got first round draft capital right. at running back position. So, you have to like be happy with that. I he's still the running back we thought he was. He's a very explosive north south runner here. You can catch some dump offs from uh Trevor Lawrence. He's got very he's very familiar with Trevor Lawrence, so that helps him. That helps him even more in the passing game where we, we saw his passing game take a step forward this year. Now he's got the same quarterback throwing the football. So they already had that rapport on his route running and how he likes to you know get the ball to him. And there's still not a ton of weapons here in Jacksonville to move the ball around too. So I think Travis Etienne is going to be a weapon here. I know everybody hates it because of James Robinson, but you know, James Robinson was an under, you know, he, they don't owe James Robinson anything. We've seen running backs come in and have good years, never to be heard from again. So I still don't think Travis, I don't think James Robinson's dead in the, in the slightest here, but I don't hate this for Travis Etienne. I mean, to me, if you're taking this running back in the first, in the first round, means like they're going to slow roll Trevor Lawrence, get him going here. And they're going to, they're going to utilize Travis Etienne a ton. And if this is going to be a boost to his passing game at all. This is exactly the kind of running back you want. If they're going to use him, if, Herb, if obviously they're going to use him more than just a third round back. because He's a first round pick, but if herbs talk about using him as a third down back in the passing game, which is weird because his pass protection is not very good uh, to be in there on third downs. But this is a situation for him where with his explosiveness, if he was just a third round bat back that they were planning to use a ton, which they again first round draft capital for a running back, that that speaks gold for his fantasy football upside. Yeah, so this is I, this is I think is is simple to decipher. I mean, obviously, the coach is looking to establish you know a culture there, so he's going to say the right things like, "Hey, no, we have James Robinson; he's our number one. Carlos Hyde is our number two, and now this guy's going to be our third down back." And I think they're honestly going to start camp like that. And that's probably how they're going to, the order of things that are going to go down for like the first few drills of camp. And within the first week, they're going to see that he's just a much more explosive player. And it's not going to take him long, obviously to pass Hyde. And then it's going to be one of these things where maybe, maybe they do ease him in on some passing downs, but even then they're going to want to see more. And eventually it's just going to be, it's going to be the ETN show. And James Robinson's going to be the thumper that's spelling him, or he's going to be coming in on the goal line and stuff like that. So uh, you don't spend a first round draft pick on a running back in the NFL to just have him sit on the shelf or just come in on third downs. Sure. You said like, Hey, he's got to work on his, his pass pro and he does. So maybe he gets a little bit of time to kind of do that kind of stuff, refining his game a little bit and get up to the NFL speed and, by the I would guess by week eight, halfway through the season, he's going to just be the starting running back. Yeah, I hated I hated the pick uh, partly because I, I did really like James Robinson. I had him on three or four teams, so you know, obviously, you're frustrated when a guy that you thought was was fairly safe all of a sudden doesn't have a job anymore. So that was frustrating. But also from a an NFL perspective, 
you know, we've seen the first round running back start to, to die a little bit. Uh, and so it was, it was very surprising that they would use first round draft capital on a running back on a team that is more or less rebuilding. I know that they just got Trevor Lawrence, which is a franchise saver, but all of the, the holes on the offensive line, the defense was in shambles after trading away almost any talent that they yeah, possibly every, had everybody. Yeah. You know, to, to use that kind of draft capital on Travis Etienne was very surprising to me, but all that being said, I, I do think that he is going to sooner rather than later be the main, uh, the leader in touches on that, on that, in that running back room. I do think that they will still use James Robinson because I know traditionally herbs used one guy, but usually that's also a, a bigger back. You know, Travis Etienne is is not your prototypical size. We're usually looking at guys like Carlos Hyde, guys like uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Guy, you know, this, this what? is Daryl Bevel's offense, though. Now he's a, he said Daryl Bevel's got full control of the offense. We'll we'll see. We'll I, I, we'll see about Herb. Herb likes to get his fingers in in everything, so we'll we'll see. But but that being said, I, I do still think that you know, second half of the season, we can pencil in an easy 12 to 15 touches between running the football and in the passing game. And I think he is going to be effective. There's still some limitations there that I'm worried about, especially with this not being a great offensive line. That does scare me. That was one of the things I wanted was for him to go to a team with a very good offensive line because he's not creative. He's not a guy that's going to create on his own. He's a guy that needs that head of steam to build up and then get in the open field. And he's just, his acceleration is just absurd. So I do have some concerns. I think he's going to be a good play, but I don't know that he's going to be a great play. Yeah. So, I mean, so going back to the, before we had the top three guys, right? We had Najee Harris, Javante Williams, and Travis Etienne, and whatever order that you like them or ever order that you wanted them. And they were saying, Hey, you got to take these running backs because once you get past these guys, it turns to a doo-doo butter platter and they'll be wanting to do that. Now I'm way more comfortable going. Maybe I'm still okay with taking the running backs here, but I'm way more open to my team structure now of Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Kyle Pitts ahead of these guys, because now with the additions of Michael Carter and Trey Sermon ended up in a really good spots. Like, Hey, I could take Jamar Chase and end up and gamble at running back, which we know is a very fluid position already as it is and take a Trey Sermon or Michael Carter at the very top of the second round compared to where the running back situation is. I don't know about you guys, but I did, I did give my receivers a bump when it came to that, you know, Devonte Williams is going to have to share some carries with Melvin Gordon, regardless unless Melvin Gordon doesn't make it out of camp. So to me, for somebody who loves to add young, talented pass catchers, this might be a really good window to get those guys right now, instead of the running back where before this NFL draft, I was stone cold against that. Like I was taking these running backs, come back to the second round and get guys like Bateman, Elijah Mitchell, uh, or Elijah Moore, I'm sorry, Rondell Moore landed like Rondell Moore gets a bump for where he landed. We're talking about him here shortly too, but like, I don't know how you guys feel about that where we were all pretty much one, two, three running back. Then Pitts fell in there as well. Then the receivers, I don't know if you guys kind of switched it up after that. I absolutely did. I'm with you there. 100%. Um, obviously my, my order wasn't the same as yours. Um, so ETN was actually the guy that kind of dropped for me. Um, and, and some of these other guys jumped ahead of him. Like you were saying, um, uh, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, all those guys are are ahead right now of, of Travis Etienne in, in my ranks. So, um, yeah, I, I think it just makes sense um, to do that. Those those guys are really high-impact guys. And, and like you said, the depth, I think, 
with the, now that we know the landing spots of a Trey Sermon and a Michael Carter, there's just a little bit more depth at that position. Um, so getting one of those high end talents and then coming back and seeing who drops you in the second round might be a, a, the prudent uh, kind of idea, I think. Uh, I ended up in a similar boat as Matt uh, because Travis Etienne, he was the one guy in all of this that I talked about. I don't really care about the landing spots, but one guy that is landing spot dependent for me is Travis Etienne. I don't love where he landed. So it was enough to, to mix up the order of overall still the same order for me as far as individual positions uh, that stayed the same, but he, he did bump back behind a couple guys, but it really wasn't affected much by sermon or Carter because still both of those are, are very uh, risky situations for me. And I'm not going to change my order based on mid to late second round guys. That's not going to change my early order much for me. So it did change, but it, the, the reasoning was slightly different. Last guy here in the first round was Rashad Bateman to Baltimore. I absolutely love the player. Hate to land spot. You know, he goes to Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens were dead last uh, when it came to passing offense last year. They just don't have enough temps to go around. They signed Sammy Watkins to another solid paycheck that he gets for a one-year wonder deal. They had their former first round of Marquise Brown. And I know Marquise Brown's not somebody who he's not. He's His fantasy relevance is pretty much out the window as well. I mean, you're talking about – you're talking about over 35, 36 receivers that did better than Marquise Brown last year. You just went to stay from, from fancy point aspect, just from a receiving aspect. So I still love Bateman hate to land in spot. And you haven't even mentioned Devin Duvernay, James Rocher, Miles, Miles Boykins, Boykin. and then they went and spent a later round pick on Tylen Wallace as well. Yeah. So I, I literally, I, you know, when they, when they drafted Tylen Wallace, I, was, I texted to the group. I'm like, why do they keep drafting wide receivers? Don't they remember that they hate to throw the ball? Like what the heck are they doing? They might as well just burn the pick. You know what I mean? What's the point? Um, unless they really are, are planning a huge overhaul with their offense, but even still, what are they, they're going to have what seven wide receivers, eight wide receivers on this team. I, it's their team is not going to be structured that way. So some of these guys are going to be getting cut loose. And they're all relatively fresh as far as draft pick capital capital goes. So this is going to be one of these situations, I guess, to watch. Obviously, Miles Boykin is is probably the first one getting chopped, and James James Prochet as well. But still, I mean, this is it's such an odd situation. Rashad Bateman was a guy that I wasn't as high on as you two were, but I I did bump him up like right before the draft after hearing some of the stuff that um, Garrett had said about him home getting COVID uh, right before the season this past year. And then he got drafted by the Ravens and I bumped him right back down to where I had him before. I, it's, I just hate the situation. It's, you know, obviously um, Garrett's saying he's not going to bump anyone because the situation but there are extenuating circumstances here. This is the this is the Baltimore Ravens. Their quarterback can't throw the ball. They don't like to throw the ball. I, I'm not going to be very interested in the wide receiver on that team. So he's he's getting bumped back a bit for me. Uh, he's not he's not moving too far for me. Uh, he moved one spot just because Waddle moved up. Uh, but he, he's he's roughly in the same spot that I would have taken him before. This past year, they they threw the ball even less than they did in 2019. But if they get even close to what they did in 2019, they actually weren't that far off from like Tennessee and Minnesota as far as their pass attempts. And we saw that with talented 
pass catchers, there's enough to to still be able to make plays. And so if there's even just that extra two, three, four pass attempts a game that they were missing from last year, I think those extra few will be enough for somebody that's as talented as him to be able to make it happen. My only, my only real concern with it is it, it's not even as much with the attempts is we've seen Lamar Jackson loves to throw it down the middle of the field. Like that's, that's his comfort zone. He doesn't like to throw it to the sidelines a lot where accuracy out there. And that's, that's what my biggest question is, is it, were there not enough talented players on the outside before, or is he not confident enough to be able to throw it out there? That's what I just don't know. You have seen those wounded ducks that he throws out there. You at times, but there are some that that look halfway decent. I'm not the biggest Lamar truther, uh, but, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's, incapable of doing it i just don't know if he's as confident doing it on a regular basis and when you pair that up with uh i have to throw it to miles boykin and and willie sneed and like guys like this like why even do that when hollywood and andrews are always in the middle of the field yeah that's the biggest i'm with i'm more with garrett than you matt about like his arm like his arm's not as bad as i think you're making it out to be uh i don't think obviously he has the best arm but it just comes down to opportunity because he's, you know, they get J.K. Dobbins. This is a team that loves to run the football, and J.K. Dobbins is going to be the full time starter this year. And J.K. Dobbins is absolutely fantastic at at, at the running back position, and Lamar is still dynamic. So maybe they're maybe this kind of shows you, like shows us, Matt, like they're adding these receivers because they do want to like save Lamar Jackson. So if anything, this tells me Lamar Jackson's rushing yards are probably coming. Well, it's easy to say that now, but on paper, it kind of looks like they might be taking a, a, a slight step back. Give me a break. So, so, but I mean, he's just too dynamic. So we're, I'm not worried about like his arm as much. It's just about like, he's going to run. He's going to run too much and not throw the football. Now. I'm not worried about Lamar Jackson's fantasy value or him, him competing at a high level and winning games. I'm worried about the wide receivers for producing for fantasy yeah. and they can't, okay. they're not going to in my eyes. So, all right, before we get into the second round, I want to talk quickly here about one of our sponsors, and that's Reality Sports Online. Reality Sports Online, you've had to heard of these guys by now. They're the number one auction football site in the world. And some people, when they hear me, like, what is auction, Rich? What is auction? We, I keep hearing you talking about Reality Sports Online auction. What the hell is an auction? Am I going down to buy some cattle? I don't know what's going on around here. But no, Reality Sports Online, basically an auction website is, you put a player up for bid, starts at a dollar. Hey, I'll give you $2 for Rashad Bateman. All right. Well, I'll give you $3 a year. I'll bid $3 a year for Rashad Bateman. And then Garrett comes in like, you guys are all fools. I'm paying six. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm out. He's yours for $6 a year, four years. That's your, that's your guy. So that, that, that's a little auction. Eh? That's, that's how auction is basically to a T just like that. <laughs> no, but get on reality sports, check them out. I mean, they're the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage for fantasy teams, just like NFL G- GM managers. They get you the first round rookie picks, uh, contracts, salary cap functionality, so much more at Reality Sports Online right now. And I always encourage everybody to check them out and use your free mock draft tool to see how you would fare in auction. Get a feel for it first. Check it out. Make sure you're not making these rookie mistakes and blowing your load early, and now you got no money to spend on any other good players. Where all the values later. So if you think your fantasy game is elite, take it to the next level. Try this platform to test your metal. That's realitysportsonline.com. And right now, you can get 10% off on your team or your entire league today with the promo code NERDS. That's right. 
All kinds of new leagues are starting up. A lot of people wait to hold these new startup leagues until after the NFL draft so they can include their rookies because they don't want to do two separate drafts. Right now, if you're getting ready to start a new league, you're thinking about trying something different, I encourage you all, get over to realitysportsonline.com right now. Use that promo code NERDS. Save you and your league mates 10% and start a brand new way to play fantasy football auction style at realitysportsonline.com. All right, and I get the opportunity to talk to talk about our friends over at predictionstrike.com. I've seen my doge stock, it's it's uh, climbing back up again, but uh the stocks I really want, I want stocks and guys like Javante Williams. I'll even buy mm. the Rashad Bateman stock because I think other people are like Matt, they're too scared. They're too mm. they're too afeard. Uh I'm I'm still on board. Uh, with him and over at predictionstrike.com, I can prove that I can buy and sell shares of professional athletes just like they were stocks. You can get, you can do all of this on the website or you can use their incredibly convenient app. Best of all, when you sign up with the promo code dynasty, you receive 10 free dollars with your first deposit of $20 or more. That's promo code dynasty to receive $10 with your first deposit of $20 or more. Those are our friends over at prediction strike. All right. So we're all, um, we're all set up here. We're going to go into the second round, right? Yeah. So let's do it. Yep. All right. So go to the second round here. First player off the board was the second player selected. That was Elijah Moore for the New York Jets. See you later. Jamison Crowder. You've Adios. been replaced. Yeah, he uh, was a guy. He was a guy. What, what was he had like a ten million dollar cap hit or something like that? They were kind of looking anyway. Yeah, so he, things weren't looking up for him. Now they add, obviously, they add um, Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. which is huge. They add Corey Davis. They add Denzel Mims from last year's draft. So now you add Elijah Moore in here. I think this is a great pairing with Zach Wilson. I think Elijah Moore could easily be the most talented receiver on this roster. Like I, I don't like, I don't hate the spot whatsoever. The run game still somewhat of a question mark. Uh, again, you add, you got Michael Carter jr. There, which I do like, cause I really like him as outside zone scheme that LaFleur is going to run. But for Elijah Moore in that standpoint, you know, if his schemes to be like Kyle Shanahan, Elijah Moore is going to be a utilized weapon here. Absolutely. And, and I feel exactly the same way uh, that you do about him being the most talented wide receiver on this roster. Uh, I obviously Denzel Mims, I think is, a bigger, more freaky, like athlete altogether. All but Elijah Moore has such good run after the catch ability, such good, just natural hands catching ability as well. He's he's already a better wide receiver than Denzel Mims, so Denzel Mims is going to have some catching up from that I think department. Um, and you know, pairing it with a quarterback like Zach Wilson who can who can really. He can really hit the short passes very accurately and change platforms and arm angles and all that kind of stuff to get you the ball. Um, it's just going to be it's going to be really good for Elijah Moore um, in, in his upside there. Yeah, I, I'm definitely still on board with Elijah Moore. It's it's always fun when you get a rookie quarterback in and a rookie wide receiver in at the same time, because usually what you see is you have them working together quite a bit early on in their careers, building that chemistry. And these these are both guys that are expected to be the starters right away. Like I don't I don't think anybody expects either one of these two guys to sit for any length of time. I I would be shocked if obviously Zach Wilson were expecting to start right away, uh, even though. Didn't they sign? They signed some veteran. I don't know. 
I don't remember who it was. Um, let me look here. Uh, no. It's not important. He's going to start. Jets? Yeah. No, I don't think they did. But just Corey Davis is only a veteran they signed. Really? Talking about quarter, uh, quarterback. Quarterback. Oh, at quarterback. I'm sorry. E- either way, I think Zach Wilson's going to start over whoever it is. Uh, but on, on top of that, I do expect Elijah Moore to basically hop into that, that Jamison Crowder role. And let's remember – Jamison Crowder got peppered with targets in there. Now it's a, it's a new scheme and it's a new offense and, and all of that. So we don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I do think he's still incredibly, incredibly talented. I I'm really excited to see him and Mims kind of develop together. This is an exciting young offense and they did a great job by uh, pairing the, the, the tackle who I believe is now going to be playing guard from USC with Makai Becton. They're building the offensive line. I really like the direction that this offense is heading. So uh, it's, it's wheels up for most, if not all the weapons in this offense. So is, sure. Eli- is Elijah more um, Michael LaFleur's version of Brandon Ayuk from last year? I mean, is that is that kind of how you guys see him, or I don't know. Since well, Mims plays that role, that the speedster on the outside, and then you know he's going to be Debo Samuel. He's going to be the Debo, the the, the catch it short and, and kind of make the the run after the catch. I would I, I would I think, think that would be more as well. I think he's a. I think he can be a little bit of both, to be honest. Um, I have no problem with him lining up on the outside, but I think since Corey Davis will be there, I think he's going to be mostly working in the slot. I'm just trying to draw parallels in the offense and kind yeah, of see, for sure. where he, see where he fits. It's interesting. Like I said, you, they trade up in the first round uh, to get the guard out of Vera Tucker out of uh, USC. They got both their tackles are fantastic. So this is a team that is on the up offensively. It is really good signs for Zach Wilson. Another reason why I still have Zach Wilson as, as my number two overall uh, super flex player, because of what they have around them. This is, this is going to be that Kyle Shanahan, you know, offense, which is, is a very successful offense right now in today's day and age. Uh, the offensive line, it seems better. They had, they had an explosive running back in Michael Carter Jr. And they have three very good weapons at the receiver position, not even counting Chris Herndon at tight end, who still has shown some upside as well. I'm very excited for how this offense is going to look for the New York Jets going forward from fantasy football aspect. And that's why I still like Zach Wilson. And, of course, I still like Elijah Moore because I love the player. The next pick was real crazy. Another Ooh. running back off the board, Javante Williams. And the Broncos trade up. Javante Williams. This is this this kind of took me back when they traded up, and I was like, dude, do they take Javante Williams here? He's the best player on the board, and sure enough, we're on the board, and I'm like, oh no. Mostly because I have a ton of Melvin Gordon shares. Yeah, you, <laughs> you felt the same way I felt about the James Robinson. Like, yeah, seriously? I was like, no, you're you're timeshare running back Melvin now going forward, if even that, because you're gonna <laughs> play Javante Williams a lot. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Melvin Gordon's a good back, and even at this stage of his career, he can still get it done. But he's getting long in the tooth. I mean, there's just he's not one years these, old. Yeah, he's not one of these guys that is going to be a generational talent. He just wasn't that guy. So his cliff is coming. Um, I think the Denver Broncos saw it, and they they replaced him with a guy that I think is just kind of better than at everything <laughs> that he does out. that he does well Javante Williams kind of just does it a little bit better so. even if it ended up being you know Javante Williams took the Melvin Gordon role from last year and Melvin Gordon was kind of more relegated to the Philip Lindsay role Melvin Gordon got 215 attempts which anytime you can get a running back with over 250 attempts you're looking pretty good nine touchdowns so he still had you know did well on the ground there and 44 targets in the passing game I think they would like to have a guy that long term can be their guy and Javante Williams meshes pretty well with Melvin Gordon just 
he's only 20 years old instead of being 28 and right. they just traded up and that I know that's a little bit narrative driven when guys trade up and we're like, they love him, but it, it does tell you that they wanted to make sure that they got their guy. They didn't think that he would still be available 10 picks later or whatever it was. They, they wanted to make sure they got him and there were random teams. Uh, I shouldn't say random teams. There were teams that were unidentified, but there were teams that were saying that they believed that he had the patience of Le'Veon Bell. He had the oh. power of Nick Chubb. Like it was, it was kind of like <laughs> that David, David Montgomery. Montgomery. Yeah. It's a David Montgomery graphic basically. Uh, but there were teams that were saying that you have to assume Denver was probably that team that said that if they're willing to move up and make sure that they get this kid. But if, if that's truly how they believe, I mean, he's going to be used a crazy amount. And th the interesting thing came down to, Okay, well, who's my RB1 then? Is it Najee Harris? Is it Javante Williams? I still believe that Javante Williams is the more talented back of the two. I loved what I saw on tape. And even though, yes, Melvin Gordon will be a little bit of a thorn in his side this year, I think he will still be the, the carry leader on this team this year. And next, and this is the last year of Melvin Gordon's contract, so he's gone after this year anyway. So I'm still sticking with my board. However, if it was redraft, I think the touches are much safer for Najee. So I would take Najee ahead of him in redraft. But in dynasty formats, it's still Javante for me. Yeah, they didn't even move an ounce for me. Uh, next pick offensively goes is Rondale Moore to Arizona. Kyler Murray demanded a player that he could look eye to eye with uh, at the same height, and they did that thinking, for him. And they get I was Rondale thinking the Moore. same exact thing. I'm like, what are they trying to build like the shortest team ever? What is <laughs> that's going right? That's yeah, right. Tackle us if you can't see us. Never see us coming. Yeah. So I mean, Rondale Moore. I mean, I like for a guy that I was down on more than the rest of the community. Um, again, he still stands pat. I didn't do a lot of shuffle in my rankings. Like you didn't Gary. I said the biggest bump, Scott, the biggest bump hands down to me is Trey Sermon, which we'll be yeah. talking about here soon. I mean, he got the most massive bump out of anybody to me. Um, but Rondell Moore, I was trying to think of a spot he can go to. This is a fantastic spot. This shows all to show what we all know about Christian Kirk. He's out. Not good. Yeah. Andy Isabella, not happening. And with DeAndre Hopkins there, and they bring in A.J. Green, older, Larry Fitzgerald, older, Rondell Moore's got a lot of people in his wide receiver room that he can learn something from very quickly. And Larry Fitzgerald, A.J. Green, and DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, can you? those are three Hall of Fame players that you're talking to and learning from in your rookie year. Now, obviously, they're 85 feet taller than Rondell Moore, but they can still talk to him and help him out from a, the, he the could probably squat just as much. Is that combined or each 85 feet each <laughs> combined combined. Um, so, but I mean, this is a very good spot, an explosive player playmaker and cliff Clingsbury's offense. This all bodes well for Rondell Moore. It's going to give a lot of people that had him as their wide receiver. One excuse now to still take him really high. Again, I'm not bun bumping him up, but the fact that every other receiver on that age is, 85 years old compared to Rondale Moore. Right. This is a really good spot for his long-term dynasty value. It's just, again, I think you have to wait on Rondale Moore probably, well, mostly till 2022 to really start get going, but great upside, great spot for him. And that's the thing. It is going to be 2022. Obviously AJ Green's there for just this one year. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, they can never cut that guy, I think, for like the next four years or something like that. So he's there. Um, but Christian Kirk's in the final year of his deal. Andy Isabella is Andy and Isabel, Andy Isabella. So that's no like big thing. But then it's a bunch of no name guys, Keyshawn Johnson, and literally no one else you've ever heard of. I, I think the Andy Isabella thing, Rondell Moore is what they wanted Andy Isabella I, to be. That's they exactly wanted that. that short security blanket. 
to be able to just make plays when, especially I'm thinking about the, the Kyler Murray scrambling around and when he doesn't choose to run the football, which he's going to do often, but he is a guy that looks more so than Lamar Jackson to pass it in those situations. Uh, you know, they haven't utilized the running backs a crazy amount in the passing game and they don't, they don't really use a tight end at all. So I think he's going to be that guy on those broken plays to get those dump offs and just come back routes and just, Hey, make something happen. And he's one of those guys that can. Or maybe they'll just start getting the ball out of Kyler Murray's hand quick. You know what I mean? To be good for his long-term health. It sure would. So hopefully that's what they kind of have in store uh, with Rondell Moore. He's just an explosive athlete. You know, they like to be fast. You know, they like to be explosive. So I think it's a great offensive fit. Um, like you said, I wasn't super high on Rondell Moore, but I like the landing spot and, and it's going to be basically clearing the deck other than Deandre Hopkins within the next year. So he's going to have a nice little landing spot or a nice little opportunity, I guess, in, in the next year. I'll still say the odds of me owning any Rondell Moore, my, any of my rookie drafts is almost at 0%. Um, I agree. Cause there's, there's people that just like him more than I do. So they're going to be taking him where I would. And, and I still think he, he offers, you know, unless he turns into like the Steve Smith, right. Like, which is a, a true generational talent, right. When you talk about guys like Steve Smith senior, I mean, that's, that's a true definition of a generational talent. Like you don't get to see a guy of Steve Smith stature and ability to ball, very often. Like that's like a once in a lifetime kind of guy, like, you know, Antonio Brown kind of takes a big step up, you know, into that category, but I don't know if Rondell Moore is that guy to me. I think he's a very good football player. It's just, again, I'm not overly in love with his fancy football upside, I guess to say, but I love the spot. Um, next guy on the board here is Pat Fryermuth to the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I love the landing spot, right? Stays in Pittsburgh, you know, obviously went to Penn state, but I, I thought it was kind of weird because you know, they invest their first round draft pick in Najee Harris. This offensive line is completely not that good right now. It's in shambles. And there are centers and there's guards on the board that they could have drafted to help not only Najee Harris, but Big Ben. But they take, you know, the Rob Gronkowski style tight end and Pat Firemuth. I love it because Pittsburgh's going to go out this year and still throw the football. They're going to run the football. It's going to be an offense. They're trying to go win playoff games, is what they're trying to do. And they're trying to give Ben more weapons to help him out. Now, for a guy that like Ben last year with his offensive line looking as crappy as it is, he's going to get the ball off his hands quick, which means it's going to be either the running back or probably the tight end, Pat Firemuth. So both these guys are going to see some pretty good targets here in year one. And I think for a long term, Pat Firemuth now in my uh, in my tight end superflex rankings, I mean he's a mid round pick now potentially here in superflex leagues because this is a guy who's going to have a, a, a different quarterback throwing him the ball football soon. And obviously Juju will probably be gone after this point, And he's going to be the safety net for that guy. Hit Najee Harris, Pat Firemuth, two real good cornerstones for this Pittsburgh offense goal already along with guys like Chase Claypool there at receiver and Deontay Johnson, you know, not of Toledo and Notre Dame respectively. So I like Pat Firemuth in Pittsburgh a lot. I don't know what do you guys think. I really like to pick, um, you know, you mentioned that they, there were a lot of um, offensive linemen on the board uh, at the time when they picked him. So maybe it didn't, it maybe, you know, you at least kind of question that, but they did go guard and tackle in the, in the third and fourth round. And that was the thing about this draft. It was a deep draft for offensive linemen. So there isn't a ton of tight end talent. So I think, I think they wanted to upgrade that position and 
like you said, Big Ben's not going to be here much longer. So it is nice to get a, a tight end, get him established for who, whomever that next quarterback is going to be. Kind of have a nice little safety blanket and, and to go along with some of these other big weapons, Chase Claypool um, and a smaller guy, Deontay Johnson. Um, so I really like to pick. Uh, it's obviously Eric Ebron's there for this year. Um, so I think this is going to be one of these situations where Pat Firemuth doesn't take over the starting role um, in, until probably next year. But, you know, so it's, you're not going to get much, I don't think, from him this year. Uh, but, I, you know, that's you're not really interested in Pat, Pat Fryermoth for that for that purpose. A lot of times tight ends take a few years and and he'll get rolling here in the next when, – whenever they flip over this regime and get a new quarterback in. My, my favorite part about the show is we're doing a Superflex tight end premium league uh, draft next, and we're explaining about all these players now. <laughs> we like them, so it's going to be a really quick mock draft. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> Garrett, we're gonna, I'm going to try and speed this up just a little bit here so we don't get everybody's analysis on each one here. But I'll go to you about Dwayne Eskridge here. Dwayne Eskridge goes to Seattle. Um, a player, you know, he had okay film, but he, he falls – he gets drafted to do exactly what I thought he would do, right? Somebody that's going to stretch the field for Seattle. A team that needed a third wide receiver. They, just trying, they signed Tyler Lockett to a big extension. They got D, DK Metcalf, who's a dynasty darling. So Dwayne Eskridge falls in here. And even at tight end, who they signed? They signed somebody in this offseason at tight end. Uh, Everett. Everett. Yep. Yeah. Gerald Everett there. So Dwayne Eskridge falls in to, again, exactly what I thought he would be. Somebody who's going to help an NFL team, but it's not necessarily going to help your fancy roster. The wide receiver three, three here for Seattle, a team that already uh, said they want to run the football more. <laughs> And they bring a guy out that's going to stretch the field. I still don't think his targets are going to be there enough because, again, you have DK Metcalf that can stretch the field as well, too, that the, the be fantasy football relevant because Lockett and DK Metcalf aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So this is a player where his draft capital actually – draft capital, even though it's in the second round, it's more to help his NFL team more than your fantasy football team. I, it, was, it was a really weird pick from Seattle. They didn't have a first round selection. Another team that really, really needs offensive line. Their defense was pretty gross for most of the year last year. And, and they take a receiver. Uh, it just, from a, from a football spec perspective, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but from a fantasy football perspective, he he's going to be a third receiver. Tyler Lockett just got a new deal this off season. So he's going to be here for at least two seasons. Uh, I think that's where the opt out is, but the, the deals for four years. So I just don't know where, where the value is going to be for him. Even, even for a real NFL team, I just, that, that pick and the next one we're going to talk about too. Neither one made a lot of sense to me. No, no, it does exactly. We see a couple of teams that did this. Seattle did it. The Rams did it. The Browns did it. You know, they, they, they drafted guys that are going to stretch the field downfield, you know, Tutu Atwell is the next pick to the Rams. They have guys in Robert Woods and Cooper cup, right. And then Van Jefferson, who's a very savvy route runner. Those guys are all really good route runners, not field stretchers. So they want somebody that's going to open the field up definitely for a guy like Matt Stafford. So they bring in Tutu Atwell, five foot nine speedster out of Louisville. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to stretch the field for them. And what we have to realize definitely in this day age NFL, NFL teams want guys on the field that are going to open things up for the everything underneath as well and take that defensive back with them downfield. That's what Tutu is going to do. That's what Dwayne Astros is going to do for Saddle. That's what Anthony Schwartz is going to do for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, you know, Anthony Schwartz, sprinter. That's what he's going to do. Somebody asked me like, See if After he can the, catch it, but, you know. Yeah. I'm going to say he was successful close to the line of scrimmage, though. Like, he wasn't successful downfield. So Yeah, I know. 
And that was an odd pick for me. But somebody asked somebody asked me, they're like, hey, what do you th- oh Browns took this receiver in the third round? What's he good at? I'm like, running fast. Like, what else is he good at good at? I'm like, you just asked me what he's good at. I told you he's good at running fast. <laughs> that was the he's list. stretch the field. That was so it. um again, him, Eskridge, Tutu Atwell for the Rams. It just they have the replacement in Cooper Cup and that's in Van Jefferson, which I still like. They still got Robert Woods there. And now they, they added somebody to make a stretch of field. They still got Tyler Higby and of course the Dynasty Darling Cam makers, which leaves no room for Tutu Atwell. I'm drafting two two Atwell. I mean, mid fourth, somewhere around there, maybe. I'd still take Austin Watkins above him. Yeah, me too. I think I think I had him somewhere in my fourth round. Uh, just because of just off of draft capital. Before that, he was down in like the sixth round range. So he he did get a pretty significant bump just from draft capital. The, the wild part to me is here's teams that there's offensive linemen on the board, another team in the Rams that needed offensive line. You can Tamorian Terry is super fast and he went undrafted. Like there's plenty of people with speed that you could take crazy late or undrafted to to just run fast down the field. Like why waste a premium pick? on a third, fourth, fifth receiver that's just fast. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't this get was it. A, this was a weird draft, right? It, I mean, it there makes were some no very, sense. There were some very head-scratching maneuvers. And I think, you know, there, there was a lot of stuff going around about how all the medicals were coming in late. All, yeah. this, all the information was very slow to get into all these clubs. I think, I think some clubs made some uninformed decisions um, compared to in years past. And I think, yeah. I think it showed, um, to be honest, during this draft. And here's a receiver coming up next that went after these two guys. And I absolutely love this. Like you mentioned, Matt, you moved Terrace Marshall down. Not me. I didn't move him down at all. He goes to Carolina Panthers here in the second round. And I love this. You know, he, he goes back to his former offensive coordinator and Joe Brady when they ran that 2019 unstoppable offense. Terrace Marshall was a part of that offense with Joe Brady. So he knows the scheme already. They're running there. And what I really liked about it, as soon as they took him, like, boom, that's Robbie Anderson's replacement. Robbie Anderson's in the last oh, yeah. year of his deal. Definitely. This is the big wide receiver. You know, obviously, G.J. Moore is not small at six foot, but this is a six foot three big X receiver they can use here. I love this pick because remember, we saw Robbie Anderson come in here, and for the first half of the season, he was putting up wide receiver two numbers in that offense until Curtis Samuel started taking an uptick on the second half of the season. We saw Curtis Samuel become a wide receiver too. Curtis Samuel leaves the team. They have Robbie Anderson. They have Sam Darnold. They need to give him some more weapons. Of course, CJ Moore, but going forward, they picked up the fifth year option on Sam Darnold's contract. I don't think Joe Brady is going to be there in 2022. I think Joe Brady is going to become an NFL head coach, but for this year, I think I could see Terrace Marshall do the same thing. Curtis Samuel did. Where is Robbie Anderson's the main guy here for the first half of the season, but then they move on and it's going to be Terrace Marshall. I like Terrace Marshall still a ton as a prospect. I think for what he could do in this scheme offset it exactly what I wanted him to do. have like a really good receiver on the opposite end of them. I think this is a really good fit for him and DJ Moore to work together. And I think Terrace Marshall offers wide receiver two upside for that three to five year window. And I absolutely love him in Carolina here and this pick. I'm not bumping him down at all. I would actually still take Terrace Marshall ahead of Rondell Moore. To be fair, I, I have him ahead of Rondell Moore as well. I just, I all, the only thing I really did was just put Kadarius Tony above him. That was it. It was just okay. like a, a one, you know, one, two swapper right there. I, so. and, I, and I can live, and I, again, I can live with that. You know, you're looking for these yeah. pig play guys. I can live with that. 
Exactly. So I, I like Terrace Marshall a lot. I like the landing spot. Like you said, I think you broke it down perfect there. I'm not going to rehash the exact same thing, but with Joe Brady there, I think he's going to have a nice opportunity this year. Yeah. I kept him roughly the same spot. He moved up uh, one, maybe two spots for me. Obviously Austin Watkins fell uh, because he went undrafted. Uh, and then it's, it's really close between him and Amari Rogers for me. Uh, and that, that one, I still kind of have to figure out. I'm leaning towards Marshall, but you, you mentioned that he's going to be here in the, in the Joe Brady offense. And obviously that's exciting, but it's actually even slightly more exciting. Cause let's remember Terrace Marshall was with Joe Brady at LSU when, you know, they had their fantastic offense. So they're, they have a familiarity with each other. So I, I wonder if that was part of the reasoning that he ended up getting taken there was Joe Brady specifically asked for him. And it, I don't know that I haven't heard that necessarily reported, but you have to wonder when you have that dynamic of an offense and, and an offensive coordinator like him uh, to, to move, you know, to get a guy like that pretty late uh, compared to what we thought, because we were thinking he could potentially be a first round pick, but if not, everyone felt pretty confident that it'd be early to mid second. And he almost fell to the third. So I think that was one of those situations where he's like, look, this was my guy the, like it's, it's too far down. You got to take him for me. And I think they did. Yeah. This, this fits the mold of that top end talent you can get in Superflex tight end premiums leagues this year with the push of uh, the, the deep quarterback class. So I absolutely love Terrace Marshall here. Uh, in the first, which again, that could be another plan of attack too. So instead of going Jamar Chase and Trey Sermon, you could still go Najee, Javante, and come back and get, you know, uh, a Rondell Moore, a Terrace Marshall, and possibly Elijah Moore. So I love the land spot, love the player here, not bumping him down whatsoever. We saw um, Kyle Trask go there at the back end of the second two to Tampa Bay. Good spot. And, and good spot because it's going to lead right into Kellen Mon here who's the next offensive player in the third round. He went to the Minnesota Vikings and then Davis Mills, one pick after Kellen Mond at quarterback, the Houston Texans. So as a group here, it went Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, pretty much in order, except for one player, Andrew Andre Cisco went to Jacksonville there at three, one. This is a big uh, change here in Superflex leagues, right? Because now you're looking at almost all three of these guys as second round picks at some point. A good value. Kyle Trask, we don't know how long you have to wait to see him get an option there in Tampa Bay, but at least there's an opportunity for him now to see some starter uh, a, a starter chance potentially for Tampa Bay because by the time Tom Brady retires, there's still going to be a good team, so they're going to have a late-round draft pick. Same thing with Minnesota, Kirk Cousins. They obviously don't want to keep paying. Nobody ever wants to make Kirk Cousins number one money because they're always looking to do something else. And Kellen Mond is a very high upside quarterback a very high upside quarterback. And here in Minnesota, stop, take a look, you know, and be sit behind Kirk Cousins for a year or two is a really good spot for him. And Davis Mills, he could be starting this year. So a big shakeup here in Superflex rookie drafts because these guys are going to go mid to late second to the very top of the third. And once you get the top of the third, this is really good value for all three of these guys. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, Kyle, Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond, you're looking three years down the line, right? I mean, both of those, uh, uh, Kirk cousins has guaranteed fully guaranteed contract for the next two years. And Tom Brady, I think just reworked his contract and, and got a couple of years added on as well. So it's probably two years down the road until either one of these guys really gets an opportunity, but that's why they made these picks. You know what I mean? They, they wanted to see if, if these guys could develop both these guys need it. Um, so I think it, those are, that's really nice landing spots for both those players. 
um, give, give them some time to kind of marinate in the offense and learn everything and get familiar with all the wide receivers before they get the opportunity. And obviously Davis Mills is a guy that hasn't started a ton in college. Uh, it was basically one season. So he could probably use some marinating as well. I'm just not sure he's going to get that time. I, I think with, with Tyrod Taylor there ahead of him, it's going to be five games of marination before he gets his opportunity. Uh, obviously, depending on what happens with Sean Watson, but this is, this was their first pick. This was the Texans first pick um, in the NFL draft this year. It was a third rounder and they went out and made sure to get a quarterback. I think that speaks volumes as to kind of what they're thinking. And um you know, you don't have to, you don't have to, I don't think you have to, you don't have to dig deeper than that. It, it's, they're worried about what's going on with Sean Watson. They had to go get a fallback plan. They know what Tyrod Taylor is. He's a guy that's going to get you through three or four games. And then you're going to have to find out if you got anything with this rookie. So that's, what's going to happen in my eyes. And it, it bumps Davis Mills up my, my board in Superflex because Significantly. He, he's going to get an opportunity. Absolutely. Um, so it, it's a nice, arm. it's a nice spot for him. He's got an arm. He's a, he's an underrated, um, you know, from the athletic standpoint, he ran in the four sixes. Told you guys. <laughs> so he played with a bulky. You uh, poo pooed my Davis Mills love. Yeah. Go ahead. Then take it away. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was, I was a big Davis Mills fan. When you're talking about the top rated quarterback coming out of high school, there's obviously tools there. You you could see a little bit of the Jekyll and Hyde, but I I, I wish this was flipped. I wish Kyle Trask had ended up going uh, to to Houston, and and Mills had ended up going to uh, you know sit behind Tom Brady. I would have liked that a lot more for his development. Yeah. But but I'm I'm curious to see. But the the funniest, not funniest, the most interesting point in all of this was Bleacher Report had uh, RG three analyzing all of the quarterbacks whenever they were drafted they had a really cool thing where they had you know different players analyzing their positions so rg3 is the one analyzing the quarterbacks and obviously him and kirk cousins played together in in washington and he's like look i guarantee cousins does not like this at all he's like basically what we have here is the vikings drafting somebody that does all of the things that kirk cousins can't do he's like kirk cousins is not happy right now and i i thought that was like a really interesting way to to put that in perspective of he's what Kirk cousins isn't. And that might tell you what they're wanting, because if they draft Davis mills, that's a quarterback. That's somewhat similar. Mond is what he isn't. So we'll see how that plays out. So real quick, I want you guys to rank these one, two, three super flex uh, rankings, Matt, how would you take the quarterbacks? Those three I just mentioned now new order and Davis Mond and Trask. Uh, Davis mills, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond. Garrett. I'll go, I'll go Mon Mills Trask. All right. And I'll, I'd go Davis Mond Trask. Is what so go. we're all a little bit different. Yep. Uh, next on the list here is a Canadian and that's Josh Palmer goes to the, uh, the, uh, the chargers, LA chargers here out of Tennessee third round pick. Good pick. Kind of interesting here. I mean, six foot one, two ten, but this is a guy who just, now, granted, he played at Tennessee. His quarterbacks weren't great, but I mean, for a career-wise, he only had 99 receptions for 1,514 yards and seven touchdowns. That's over four seasons. This so, is the 400-yard guy, right? I can't, yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he never got like above 400 yards, right? That like, never really did. Uh, yeah. Never really did anything here in Tennessee. But now he's a third-round pick for. Interesting, Chargers. I would say, um, with a gross look on my face. 
<laughs> I don't like this pick, man. I, yeah. I think the Chargers could have done much better. I think there are a ton of more talented people on the board at this point. Josh Palmer, I do not like. So we'll move along. Nobody's really love him. There's a couple. Let's get a couple, couple of these guys real quick. Hunter Long goes to the third train off the bend of the board to Miami uh, in the third round, which is a good spot. And I already have obviously Mike Kosicki there, but maybe they don't lock him up long term, which is interesting because I thought Kosicki took a big step forward here. But Hunter Patriot Long goes system. there. Two tight ends. Yeah, they're going to try system. to run two two tight end system, but also I think it does back them up in case they can't get um, Kosicki locked up. And they they have something in the pipeline that way. DME Brown goes to Washington again. Somebody who I just you know a, a fast receiver to take the top off, but somebody who I don't overly love here either. I, I don't love the player, but he went in the third round. I like DME Brown more than you guys did um, throughout the process, um, so I wasn't surprised that he went in the third round. Um, but when you you land here on this team, that's what he's going to be a field stretcher. That's what he's going to be. And with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that's not a bad thing because I think he's a gunslinger. He'll try to throw it downfield. We'll see who they end up actually getting in as their quarterback next year and see if it's a fit. So Deami Brown's some guy that I th- he's a guy that has some um, volatility, I think, in, in his value. It could be he's, good, or, but yeah, it could he, be. He's going to do what he did at college. He's going to stretch the field over the, you know, track the ball well. But that's how we mentioned guys like Anthony Shorts, Tutu Atwell. He falls in that category because they have Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaren as the one, two. He's, so he's, mu- he's a much better player than either one of those guys. Uh, oh, Tutu yeah, for At- sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I would take Demia Brown over uh, Tutu Atwell for sure. But yeah. Yeah, he's in that situation now where they just signed Curtis Samuel. Terry McLaren's their number one. So he's, right. he's they have Logan Thomas. They have Antonio Gibson. They have J.D. McKissick. So he... He falls as number three option already at receiver and probably sixth, seventh when it comes to target share. So don't forget, don't forget gluteus minimus signed there too. That's right. Gluteus minimus. You need somebody <laughs> to get, hide themselves behind uh, Antonio Gibson's butt cheeks. So um, he, Tommy, he could be the new Peyton Barber there. Could be interesting. Could be. Tommy Tremble, tight end off the board on Notre Dame, goes to Carolina. Interesting. We'll talk about him when we get to our rankings. Again, some of these guys we're going to talk about when we do our overall rankings. So no need to get really super in depth, but we obviously get, cause we're running short on here on time. I want to get through a couple of these guys here. We'll get later around Trey Sermon, San Francisco 49ers. They traded up to get Trey Sermon. They give up two fourth round picks. They move up here and draft him. And I, again, this is somebody who's going to mass a bump because Trey Sermon who had a second half there. We mentioned, we mentioned before Trey Sermon kind of the knee injury there uh, early on. Maybe that's something to do with him not being as explosive, but the second half of the season for Trey Sermon he looked dynamic, had a really good vision. I thought he was just a guy coming out of college, but the fact that he went to the 49ers, the fact that they traded up for him, and the fact that the 49ers have made guys like Raheem Moser and Jeff Wilson look like fancy football gold, this speaks wonders for Trey Sermon because you don't trade up for a running back in the third round unless you're going to utilize that player and he's your guy. And it goes right back to how I said it, whatever running back the Jets get, I'm going to love. Any San Francisco running back who's the starter there, I'm going to absolutely love because they're going to eat in Kyle Shanahan's system. So what's not to love about Trey Sermon here? I'm okay with taking Trey Sermon now in the first round of one QB rookie drafts. If you took Trey Sermon over Rondale Moore, I don't hate that one bit. Oh, I do. I don't because I think he's going to be the hashtag two to three year window in a system that's going to put up running back two numbers which is better than wide receiver three or low end wide receiver two numbers any day of the week. 
here's the thing. I'm with you. He's definitely moved up my board. I think, you know, he was good enough to, to, you know, be a, I, I didn't have him ranked as a third round pick, but obviously San Francisco thought he was good enough to be a third round pick. That's good draft capital for a running back. But we're also, let's not forget, this is a team that utilizes two, three, four backs at a time. Like they're never married to one guy. So he, he could easily just be the newest Tevin Coleman for the team for all we know, like to yeah. take that over a guy that looks like he's the long-term wide receiver too. in a cliff Kingsbury offense. Like I'm not no way. It, I, I'm saying no. I wouldn't argue it is all I'm saying. I will. I, I will that. argue it. I will argue it. Cause you're getting yourself a running back. that's going to start potentially in San Francisco. Maybe even now that like, and again, I think he may split carries Raheem Mostert this year, obviously this year, but I think in 22-2 and not beyond, definitely get to the Trey, Sermon, uh, Trey Lance and Trey Sermon to be double trays out there. And I think he's going to get enough carries and be involved in the pass game enough where he's going to be a, he's going to be fantasy football relevant. And it, when it comes to running backs on that short hashtag two to three year window, you can get out of them. This is a guy who's offering you that kind of window. And anytime I can find those guys at the very back end of the first or the very top of the second, I'm welcoming them with open arms to my dynasty team every single year. So I actually, I only have them two, two spots apart, um, but I did have Rondell Moore ahead of him just to, just to kind of come in the middle of both of you. No, but, I do too. By the way, I have Rondell Moore ranked higher. I'm just saying there's somebody that like at the back end of the first and you need that, like you only have two running backs to compete for a championship. I'm okay with taking a guy like Trey Sermon to push you over the top to give you that depth that you need to run it back. Because again, make a trade then make a trade. Like don't, don't draft, don't reach, like take the best player available. Rondell Moore is the best player available. You don't reach in your drafts just for a guy, make a trade later to get a two to three year window running back. Why not? Or just take Trey Sermon in San Francisco offense. Because then you can get Rondell Moore and you can trade trade a third round pick for an aging veteran. Trade trade a third round pick for Melvin Gordon and he'll give you the same production that he will this year. Trey Sermon Uh, could be what you said, Garrett. He could be one of four, but he could be the guy. And that's what yeah. you'd be. That's what you're betting on when you take him at. But the, we know Rondell Moore is the, going to be the wide receiver too. We're saying maybe, hopefully, for a guy that is. That's your analysis of Rondell Moore, and 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 you, I think, like Rondell Moore. I think more than both of us. Sure, but they also use like higher draft capital. There's nobody else coming in there to Andy like. Andy was a second round pick, wasn't he? Yeah, but we never liked. Yeah. Well, I didn't like. Christian Kirk was a second round pick. We never liked. I know we never liked him. But Christian Kirk, I don't think was Cliff Kingsbury though. He was not. Say, he was before. If, if you get about three to four years out of Rondale Moore, you know, high production. There's, I can make the same case of what you can get out of Trey Sermon. I, th- I think the fantasy points will be pretty equal to the two. Again, I'm not saying I'm not advocating. I don't want anybody to take this wrong. I'm not advocating taking Rondale Moore ahead of him. I'm not. Or a guy like Terry you mean Trey Sermon ahead of him, right? Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, or yeah, exactly. But I'm okay now with a guy like Trey Sermon, a guy like Marker, Michael Carter Jr., who have now established themselves in really good spots for a running back in such a fluid position. Again, a fluid position. I am now okay with taking these guys because, again, what are we valuing these guys on? What can they offer to our dynasty fantasy football team? Now these two players are in really good spots to offer good production to your dynasty fantasy football team. And I understand with you, we always preach, take best player available. It's best long-term. What I'm saying is I think Trey Sermon can offer that best player available. Not that Rondale Moore is not like the better overall prospect, but when it comes from fantasy football production outpoint, 
Trey Sermon is now in that category, offering you that equal to production. Definitely if he hits. And if he doesn't hit and he's not the main guy, which he probably could be because he's going to trade up for him and Moster and Wilson aren't on long-term deals here. As, as soon as 2022, Trey Sermon could be the man here in San Francisco, which again, if you're the man in San Francisco and you're catching footballs as well, and you're going to enter Trey Lance, that offers you running back one upside, not even running back two. It offers running back one upside. And this is, and we all know the running backs always get a push, right? They always get this push. So now this is a guy we're talking about at the back end of the first, the high end of the second. And anywhere he goes there, I have no problem with that because of what you can get out of it. Of course, it can be a bust pick, of course. But to be fair, so can any one of these guys we're taking. Nothing's for sure. We've learned that, and we've all learned this the hard way. I'm looking for running backs that get a clear opportunity, definitely a really good system, and that's what Trey Sermon is right now. And for me, again, I'm okay if you took him ahead of Rondale Moore. I'm not saying to do that. But if you're a championship caliber team at 11 and at 12, and again, of course, if you can trade back a little bit, yeah. But again, you can't trade back too far, Garrett, because then somebody at 2-1 or 2-2 is probably going to take Trey Sermon. That's fine. Use a third and get Melvin Gordon. He'll give you the same and, production and, this year. But it, it, we sometimes we speak here in a vacuum, like it's so easy to do stuff like that. You know what I mean, like, oh, just trade for, like, it's easier. The hardest position to trade for in most leagues are the running back because people just can't afford to give them up. It's just too slim of a position. So that value, there's a reason we bump these valuable, these running backs up all the time. It's the exact same reason I'm bumping Trey Sermon up right now. That's fair if you don't agree, but I think this situation calls for it. I think, again, just because I don't overly love the prospect doesn't mean that he's now got the draft capital alone in the third round, but the fact you trade up for him is as well. That's all enough reasons in this system for me to take him here at the back end of the first and one QBs. I have him at one twelve in one QB leagues. I have him at one twelve. So for me, I'm okay with taking a guy like Trey Sermon here for the potential that he could do for your fantasy football team, especially where you're taking, which is already a championship caliber team. This is the kind of depth or player you can use to push you over the edge. Cause now we're playing a 17 week season too, which you've got to remember. So we don't know what our running back situation is going to look like come playoff time. We need even more depth at the position, and Trey Sermon is going to offer that. Either he's your third running back or a starter. Either way, he's he's in a position to help you win a championship right away. Rondell Moore is not in that position. That's where, again, I advocate him going around a more in one QB leagues, mind you, because of where where he'll be going. He can be a difference maker now compared to Rondell Moore, what he can do for you. Definitely for how deep this class is. The next receiver we're talking about, if you pass on Rondell Moore there at 111-112, you can probably get a guy like Nico Collins at 211-212. Just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you you could. <laughs> you actually skipped a, a pretty important guy, I thought, as well. You know, in Amari, Amari Rogers, who who went a couple Oh, my of God, picks. I skipped Amari in Green Bay. Yeah. I'm so, so excited about Trey. Yeah. You, you forgot about A. Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. What a good spot. Rogers to Rogers. Maybe, maybe not. Somebody's maybe. got a little temper tantrum going out there about Green <laughs> Bay taking uh, AJ Dillon and Jordan Love doesn't love that. So they're like, hey, Rogers. What about Rogers to Rogers? <laughs> Come out. Bring it back. <laughs> so, I mean, I love this landing spot, yeah. right? This is a guy we kept. This, what's funny is Amari Rogers was a name that kept coming back up on our podcast about a, a player that we all kind of liked coming out of Clemson, um, him and Cornell Powell both ended in a good spot with, you know, they Cornell did. Powell going to Kansas city, but this is a fantastic spot. Cause they didn't, they didn't offer much to this offense 
but they added Mari Rogers. Yeah. And he, and he's a, another guy that's unique to the offense. No one else uh, currently on green Bay's uh, wide receiver depth chart does the kind of things that Amari Rogers does. He's a, he's a nice little small compact slot wide receiver. That's, that's great after the catch. And, and he's a very tough runner. So this is going to be a guy that, that works the middle of the field and, and kind of does some of the dirty work. I feel like that they've been missing for the past few years. Yeah, I really do like Amari Rogers, a guy that basically is a running back. I mean, he, he's a running back mentality size wise, but he's got great hands, runs great routes. I think he could be, uh, you know, what Randall Cobb was to this offense five, six, seven years ago. He could fill a similar role. I think he's just as talented as Randall Cobb was. They had similar draft capital. Uh, you know, Rodgers is a little thicker. He's going to be a little more physical where, you know, uh, Cobb would make you miss a little bit more. But still the same type of concept uh, underneath slot guy going to make plays. All right, so I want to remind our audience that we're going to go into deep on every single one of these players. But since it's an early show, obviously it's going to be one of our longer shows because when it comes to draft, we can sit here for obviously three hours to do this. But we don't have the time. So we got to do our mock draft next. But before we do that, I want to go through a couple players here by the next couple of rounds. We don't have enough time to break them out because we're way over. But I want to tell me if you guys, I'm going to give a name. We'll all say whether we love the spot, we're okay with the spot, or you just don't, you hate it. And it, not even the spot, like the player, the, as his dynasty value. Do you love his dynasty value going forward? You're okay with it or you hate it, right? So Nico Collins goes to the Texans. I love it. Love it too. Um, go ahead, sir. Yeah, I would, somewhere between love and okay. I, I love the volume, but not sure about the team. Anthony Schwartz to the Browns. Boo. Hate, hate it. it. Hate it. Hate it. Uh, moving on here to tight end. Trey McKitty to, to the Chargers. Absolutely love it. love it. Yep. I like it. I like it. I don't. That's I don't not an option. I know. <laughs> par, par, Parm's the guy in his way. I love it. Yeah. I love Yeah. Well, who am I kidding? You got Justin Herbert there, Sling the Rock. I love it. Let's move to the fourth round here. Um, in the fourth round, we got offensive players running back off the board. Michael Carter Jr. to the Jets. Absolutely love it. All capital letters with an exclamation point. Me too. Love, love, love it. Love it. Great opportunity. All right, here's an epic burn for me. Uh, Des Pitts, Fitzpatrick goes <laughs> to uh, the the Titans in the fourth you round. Think I think gonna he's, I you think, think he's, he's gonna make a roster. I think he's gonna make it. I think I'm gonna lose that bet. Good thing we never <laughs> bet anything. But got it. Oh, oh, another another winner in this year's draft though that I didn't mention. Begin the show. Players I like to buy. I'm buying Josh Reynolds anywhere Josh I can get Josh Reynolds, him. absolutely, yep. man. Because they didn't the, do anything the, to this offense, but I had this turd for a good oh, Or the, even A.J. Brown goes from, like, you can make an argument he's the number one wide receiver in fantasy football. He, if he had more volume, I would say yes. Um, well, who else are they going to throw to? It's going to be Josh Josh, Reynolds. It's going to be Josh Reynolds. And it's Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. That's a built-in 25 more targets than he had before, (laughs) just because those are the other options. Ferkser's another big winner. Yeah. So, um, I'm on Ross St. Brown to the Lions. Absolutely love it. Love it. He was my wide receiver. Yeah, he was my wide receiver seven, and there was no reason to move him after that. Yeah, what a fantastic spot. Um, Running back to the Vikings, uh, Kane. And a Wagawu and Guagu. Yeah, you nailed it. Um, Iowa State. Um, I don't love it. I, I, I like think I like the player. He's interesting. He's super fast. Yeah, Alexander Madison. Other than that, yeah, it's a bad landing spot. Uh, sweet. I know nothing about him, so sure. I just 
He's behind Madison and Dalvin. So eh. Ramondre Stevenson to New England. I kind of love it. Like, I yeah, I'm okay on that one. Um, I'm more than like it just because I I do like it, but it's like you're either okay with it or you love it. So if I had to push it to one side, I gotta say I love it. All right, I'll say okay then. Okay, I'm also okay with it. Washington gets a new tight end out of Boise State. They got John Bates. Matt, was, what are you doing about Bates? <laughs> I don't do any of that, Bates. <laughs> I thought you'd be bat- master in this subject. Okay. Uh, that was the random guy that I threw in at the one end of the one episode that I was like, hey, there was this tight end of the senior bowl that I really liked, blocked really well, uh, and he's moving up boards. And, yeah, he did. Does he, he catch passes? Does he catch passes he, at all? Well, the funny part is going into the senior bowl, like he didn't. And he made some spectacular catches at the senior bowl. And so it was like, Oh wait, maybe he's a better athlete than people thought. Maybe it's going to be, you know, a Gary Barnage kind of situation. Yeah. This is one of those guys I had no measurables on. No, like, I mean, I had the, the, the senior bowl weigh in stuff and that was it. So Chubal Hubbard to Carolina. I'm okay with it. I didn't, I didn't love him as a prospect anyway. He's a, he's a backup to one of the best running backs ever. So I don't necessarily like it. I'm okay with it because at this point, everybody's going to be a backup running back. So Christian McCaffrey got banged up a lot last year and it'll be his show. If McCaffrey's hurt, we got this and so many more prospects to go and talk about, which we're going to do. We have so much to cover over this next uh, summer. We're going to do this rookie mock draft. Then we're going to rank these players and kind of go in depth about them over the next uh, couple of weeks here as well. We're going to break down each division and cover every single dynasty player on the market. And by then, NFL is going to be upon us. We got a lot to do here, a lot to cover, all to make our dynasty teams better. Thanks if you stuck away with us the whole pro- this whole episode. It was really long, but they always are at the NFL draft because we literally sit here for – we didn't even get a lot of these guys the time, time they needed, but right. we have plenty of summer shows to do just that. So we'll be back next week, Nerd Herd, uh, with another episode. Until then, we're going to be doing the uh, Dynasty Nerd Herd episode, which will be free this week as well to cover our two tight end – our Superflex Titan Premium Mock to give you a taste of what you're missing here and on YouTube. So make sure you get to YouTube and subscribe to that as well. Adios.